All right. Well, then, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. We're happy you're spending some time with us. It's Chip and Zay from one to three on a Tuesday afternoon. You kidding me, Zay? How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm good, brother. Just another day in paradise, beautiful Austin, Texas, living good, feeling good. How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. My, uh, Sorry, I apologize for my printer. It is uh, printing out some stats. There we go. That I would like to use for today's show. Because here's the deal, Zay. We like to talk Texas to start things off. We'll have our man Chris Hummer from... Uh, 24-7 sports to talk all things college football at 1.30. What up, CB? Look at what this. Up, Look at this. Ray, Roy, how am I doing? Roy says this is the best lighting Zay's ever had. Yo, I'm outside, man. I'm out here. Even though I'm inside, I'm outside. What's that mean? Big things, man. That just means we're doing <laughs> You said, what's that mean? Uh, it just means we're turning up, man. We're living good. We're, we're feeling good. Hey, we're, hey. Yeah, man. We're, we're making moves. That's what that making means. Making moves, baby. We are yeah. we are upgrading. We are doing stuff. I mean, oh, we got to have Zay looking as good as he looks. We can't have yeah, Zay in the shadows, backlit. Yeah. We still don't have the Marcus Griffin jersey up behind him. Yeah, yeah, I need that 26 jersey. I need that. I need to upgrade that. that. That's the next part, though. That's you the know, next gotta, part. That's the next part. We'll, we'll upgrade in a few, but, you know, at the end of the day, we're here. That's all you that know, matters. Chip and Zay, you Texas know people, today. You know people. Yeah, I, I know a couple folks. You know, you know, I know a couple folks, yeah. You might have yeah, an end. You might have an in for that uh, Marcus Griffin jersey. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Just saying. How about the big announcement today from uh, from BK and Bucky that man, Ricky loved it. loved it, man. Great show. He's going to be joining the uh, Texas Sports Unfiltered on Friday, uh, right before the Kansas State game, when they honor Ricky for the 25th anniversary of his. 1998 Heisman Trophy. Can you believe it's been 25 wow. years? Man? I cannot. Years. How old are you? Yeah, like, I am 32. Yeah, you were seven. Yes, very you seven. Young. You were like, yeah, that's like second grade or something. Yeah, I just remember him hitting that Heisman against A&M when he broke the record. But other than that, it's a blur for me. Yeah, people want that neck pillow on uh, the wall behind you. Oh, man. Yeah, I need to see what I can do about the neck pillow. We might have to bring that back. I've had enough requests and, you know, I try to do something different here that's get away from my radio days, even though I cherish those days. I might have to bring the neck pillow back, but we'll see. We'll see. I'll think yeah. about it. Keep them on their toes, Zay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't, uh, don't, you know, don't just be unpredictable. Unpredictable. Right. Yeah, 25 years ago. So 1998, I was on the Texas beat. That was my sixth year on the beat. And, of course, Mac Brown's first year as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. 
and Ricky Williams, the biggest part of or the biggest recruit that Mac Brown landed that year was Ricky Williams. Cause here's the deal. Ricky, I mean, Mac told Ricky he was going to have to cut his dreads. And Ricky was like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And this is another reason, Zay, that Sally Brown was always the brains behind the operation for Texas football while Mac was here. Sally, open-minded, brilliant businesswoman, self-made millionaire, said, you know, Mac, you should let Ricky keep his dreads, do his thing, be him. Yeah. No, 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 no. We, we, no, we, we gotta, we gotta have some uniformity. And Ricky was about to leave. And Sally said, no, you need to, you need to let him have the dreads and Mac let him have the dreads. And Ricky became another player who fell in love with Sally and decided to stay and became the all-time leading wow. rusher in football history. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I, you know, sometimes coaches try to come in and throw their philosophies in and try to change the culture completely, you know, and to just get rid of that bad funk that happened the previous year that got rid of that previous coach. And sometimes coaches overdo it and Mac telling Ricky Williams to get rid of his dreads. I mean, if you saw him today with Bucky and BK, he still has them to this day. It's been 25 years and the dude still has those iconic dreads. I think maybe when he came back, from his little, you know, debacle with marijuana in the NFL. I think he had a bald fade or something, you know, with Miami. But other than that, Ricky's always been dreaded up. And, you know, yeah, Sally Brown, she's always been a big part of Mac's tenure here, you know, just kind of you know, taking away a lot of pressure that he had to deal with by her decision making and her influence and yeah that's a key example right there telling ricky williams arguably the best running back to ever come through here i say arguably because i know number 20 was special y'all don't trip but yeah it's it's very interesting that max said that once he touched down from north carolina that's a weird move which in today's day ain't no way you could do that or even try to do something like that yeah, and it was crazy because Tony Dorsett set the record in 76 and and it lasted 22 years before Ricky broke the record. And it was awesome. Tony Dorsett was on the sideline. Ricky broke the record against A&M. Ricky was trying to get in to return kicks because he wanted like the all-purpose yardage record. Right. And, and then the next year bowling ball ron dane up there wisconsin breaks ricky's record the next year it's crazy it was insane and where's ron dane now i don't know 
I remember him getting drafted by the Giants, and I was like, oh, this dude about to be cold. If he breaking Ricky's record, this dude about to be the real deal, and he can never just, you know. Was Ron Dane on the cover of ESPN Magazine wearing a wedding dress? No. Nah. Was Ron Dane, did he have any personality at all? I went to Wisconsin the next year to interview Ron Dane for the Dallas Morning News. That dude had the personality of a tabletop. (laughs) <laughs> it was like oh dude i'm trying to gloss you i'm trying to gloss you up and he couldn't do it he just oh man but ricky is hilarious that was a great interview if you missed ricky on with bucky and bk this morning make sure you go back and listen to it because ricky always has some incredible introspective deep thoughts on life and you know, it was funny he said uh, about guys getting developed under Steve Sarkeesian. And Ricky said, you know what? If the coach has a personal relationship, a personal interest, shows the player he's personally interested in that player, that player will develop. Because they want to know that they're going into battle with someone they can trust. And I thought that was very illuminating. He also talked about Nick Saban. And when he was with the Dolphins with Nick Saban in 2004, how Nick Saban, he said, Nick Saban got my game. He understood my game. So he didn't just talk in platitudes. He talked to me about what I could do to help the team by knowing my game and building things around my game. And like Ricky can't say enough good things about Nick Saban and his time with him in Miami. I know everyone else is like, oh, Nick Saban, total failure. He was a bust. He couldn't control the pros like he could in college. And that's probably true. But he made a connection with Ricky Williams. And that was when Ricky was like trying to, you know, trying to get thrown out of the league. You know, he was like smoking weed, chugging water, doing all kinds of stuff. And Nick Saban got him back and was like, hey, let's do this. And he did it. Ran for 10,000 yards. It was, yeah, uh, it was big time. Yeah, I thought Ricky's one of the most underrated running backs in NFL history. I know everybody thinks about the weed stuff, but he had some big-time years. And coaches, they got to be relatable. They got to be able to adapt. And you can't be my way or the highway. Like, that time has gone and sailed. There was a point in time where guys were just trying to make it, you know, trying to stay afloat or make it to the next level, whether you're in college or if you're the NFL, you want to be perennial pro bowler and get to Canton one day. So it's kind of just, you know, hey, we'll accept whatever the coach is throwing at us, even though he might be batshit crazy. And those days are over. Like these players, they have a voice. And if you're not in their eyes making the right moves, or if they don't feel like what Ricky said, if they don't feel that trust or you're not caring like you should, you just want to come in and win and do things your way. Well, hell you'll get, you know, put on blast easy. 
Like we saw that from Eric Bieniemy earlier the season. Like the Commanders players, they were kind of like, "Yo, dude, what's going on here?" You had Patrick Mahomes backing them, but the offensive coordinator over there for Washington, hey, he was dealing with certain things and his second, you know, or his him trying to get on a head coaching spot, but I guess him going from Kansas City to Washington, seeing he having more responsibility there with Andy Reid not getting all the credit, he might have tried to do his own thing and it turned people's heads the wrong way. So you got to be careful with all those things. And you look at someone like Steve Sarkeesian, like this dude's out here smoking cigars and stuff with the team after you beat Alabama. A lot of people are like, oh, man, these dudes are cocky or Sark's wrong for that. No, it's relatable. It's genius. It's what these recruits see and say, yo, I want that to be my coach because that dude cares. And it looks like fun going to the University of Texas. So this team 4-0 right now, how could you not want to come here to the 40 Yankers and play for them? Like, that's what you got to do. We saw it with Dion, even though it's dumbed down a little bit. We saw that with Dion and the influence that he has. Like, even Dan Landing, the guy that blew Dion out over at Oregon. Like, how do you not want to play for him? That dude makes you want to run through a brick wall. Like, like that dude is for real. So yeah, when you want to be a coach nowadays, you got to be able to, you know, buy into your stuff, but also be allow allow yourself to understand that you're not perfect and somebody else might have something that they could bring to the table with that you didn't even know what existed. And adapting is huge in college football, all those sports, and the best coaches do it. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Steve Sarkeesian right now pressing the right buttons. How about a shout-out to uh, my man Pete in Kansas City who's listening to us for the first time. Welcome in to the show, Pete. Tell tell your friends and enemies. Tell about 10 friends and 10 enemies um, because we are reconditioning the way people listen to their sports talk here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, whether it's on the YouTube channel or on the Texas Sports Unfiltered app. This is the way to do it, man. I mean, it's crystal clear stereo, and you're getting your favorite people all day long, all day long, right here. You don't have to worry about some radio station deciding to lose its mind and flipping everything all over the place. We got you taken care of right here. Um, yeah, or you don't have to worry about this high school sports bull crap that other radio stations think is good. Like, we're no, no, you there's a place for that. Shout out to Dave Campbell and all those guys. There's a place, yeah, we'll let you that. know when the high school stuff is hot. Yes, we'll let you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. we ain't gonna hit it that hard. We got our own thing going on here, and Brad Kellner's done a great job assembling this Avengers dream team like crew that we have at TSU. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Thanks, Pete. Uh, so, Zay, you mentioned it. I did a little more thinking. 17. The line open at 17 and a half points. And I can see, I can see a way that Texas gets there. But I got to see them get off to a better start, man. I got to see them get off to a fast start at home. I don't understand what is causing these problems with the like short circuiting 
first quarter, second quarter, let's get it going. Let's get this thing hyped like immediately. I need to see some energy. And that's, you know, I've said as this season would go on that I felt like Sark and Quinn Ewers, if everything was working the way it was supposed to work, and we'll get to Quinn Ewers and a Heisman thing in a second, but if this thing's building the way it's supposed to build, then the chemistry between Sark, the play caller, and Quinn, the quarterback, will evolve to where they start to finish each other's sentences. They start to think what the other one is thinking, and they get it to where, man, I know what he's going to call next. I know what he's going to call next. I know, you know, there's just this kind of symbiosis, this sort of kismet that is happening between quarterback and play caller that I should be kicking in. And for some reason it's kicking in on the road. It's not kicking in at home. How about this week? It kicks in at home because next week we know Quinn Ewers loves to go to the cotton bowl where it's mayhem. We saw him carve up Oklahoma last year, carve up that defense. I understand that defense. Oh, it's light years better. Okay. All right. All right. So it's Kansas defense. They got, four guys in the transfer portal who've transformed their entire defense, apparently, including a guy from Colorado state. My son went to Colorado. I went to Colorado state last year for parents weekend. That, that football team was not good, <laughs> but maybe that's why Devin Phillips got out of there. But Zay, how do we get these guys going, man? How do we get them going in the, like from the jump? Yeah, I think it just goes back to taking what the defense gives you. You know, I think we saw a little bit of that on the road against Baylor, again, off to that quick start. And definitely saw it against Alabama. Just we haven't seen it at home just yet with Wyoming. You Going into the fourth quarter tied 10-10, you definitely don't want that with this Kansas group who's leading the nation in third down conversion rate. Like, they're number one at 60%. Jalen Daniels and Lance Leipold, they're clicking on all cylinders. And we've seen that in two games that they've been tested in BYU you in Illinois so yeah you got to get off to a lot better starts and you know that script that Sark loves to dial up sometimes it's hit sometimes it's miss again we've seen it on the road it's been hit we've seen uh at home it's been missed a little bit so I think that this Kansas defense their secondary stands out the most. Like, their secondary, they got some dudes. We mentioned them yesterday, and Kobe Bryant and Kenny Logan. It seems like Kenny Logan's been there since, hell, 2015 or so. Like, that dude's it's played a lot of football. It. Oh, that dude's been there for a hot minute. He's played a lot of ball, and he had that pick six last week against the Cougars, so he'll be ready to go. You definitely got to look out for him making things happen. But, you know, this team, Jonathan Brooks, what we've seen, especially in Waco, you got you should have a lot of confidence in him if you're Steve Sarkeesian. You have a, co- a lot of confidence in running the football. I know that we like to see the ball travel through the air and stuff, and you have a plethora of wide receivers that could go get it. But Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter had his moments too. Like 24 could get it done for you. And you saw what they did last year to Kansas. Yeah, I know, as you mentioned, they got those transfers in, especially on that front line. You know, guys like um, 
Withers and Taylor, both of those guys are solid, over 300 pounds. That's what Lance Leipold needed for a team that led the Big 12, or excuse me, was last in the Big 12 in yards on the ground given up. So, yeah, I think you go to that, and if this defense is going to play back like a lot of these teams do and, you know, probably drop seven and put two safeties high so you don't get that deep shot, then run the football and make those guys come up like you did to pay to, to Baylor excuse me and then those deep shots will start to get open and we'll start to see more guys go crazy and stuff and that's the way that Texas really wants to play but we know weekend and week out these defenses they're going to try to stop that pass and Jonathan Brooks I have a lot of confidence in giving him the ball and him being the guy that can lead you to this win this week well speaking of misses I know how much you love pro football focus, Zay. Yeah, man. They had BYU as a lock against Kansas last week to cover. Huh. Yeah. What was the final score of that one? Was it like 38-27? That was not a cover. That was not a cover. Kansas covered. That was not a BYU cover. That was a Kansas cover let me double check my math and and i i don't expect texas to make those same turnovers that byu made again caden slovis he threw a pick six and then kobe bryant just absolutely knocked out the mormon kid that was on some stupid reverse and yeah that was just you know that was a disaster and that got taken back for a touchdown too so byu gave them 14 points if you want to look at it like that i know lance leipold's probably thinking oh we took those 14 points okay whatever texas besides the muffing problem i don't think they have an issue with fumbling the ball and quinn ewers has yet to throw an interception this season and i don't think we're going to see it at dkr on saturday so i'm confident that they won't be able to force the turnovers against the horns like they did against byu this past saturday yeah yeah this uh this will be fun because everyone is sort of watching and and seeing if Kansas's defense, this improved defense with the transfer portal uh, defensive lineman is like for real? Or is it that they've played uh, BYU, Illinois, SEMO, um, and Nevada? Nevada's one of the worst teams in college football and Kansas struggled to put them away. Look, Texas struggled with Rice and Wyoming in the first half. We get it. It's it's 18 to 22 year olds trying to get them focused and getting everything moving in the right direction. But a lot of Texas fans remember 55 to 14 last year too and 55 to 14 happened. It was 41 nothing before Kansas got on the board. And Texas's defense this is where I have faith. Texas's defense. You got to get the safeties involved. You got to get Jody Barron involved in stopping the run. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I think they I think Texas knows how to string out that triple option. I think they know how to look for Devin Neal backside. I think this Texas defense is on point. I'll be surprised. Uh, Jason, I'll be surprised if Kansas gets to 20. Now, if Texas turns the ball over, yes, 
I can see Kansas getting to 20. If Texas plays a clean game, like they, the offense has been playing a clean game. Special teams coughed it up twice last week. If the offense plays a clean game, I think this is, I think this is going to be more along the lines of what we've seen. 31 to 10, 31, 17. You know, I, I was a little surprised. I thought, I'm not going to lie. I thought the line would be closer to 10, 10, 11, not 17. I might be inclined to take Kansas to cover that, but I could see 31 to 10, 31, 17. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Vegas, they're right a lot. So it's interesting that the line is that thick. I mean, I think Kansas deserves a lot more respect than what they've been given. And I don't know if it's because they're going on the road, which this is their first true road test this season, yet alone it being a top five team in the Texas Longhorns. But, you know, that you're exactly right. The defense, like Pete Kwiatkowski, how good he's been just pressing all the right buttons the substitutions the guys that you know that defensive line all those guys are so fresh the only player that's played over 75 percent of the snaps this season is Jalen Ford so again these guys like you're not seeing cramps or anything with this team why because they're playing a lot of them you see the cramps when you're logging in hella minutes and you're out there all the time. Like this Texas defense, they're not out there very often. And I know against Wyoming, they gave up that long run and they had that 17 play, 10 minute, 20, uh, 22-second drive. But, hey, it seems like against Baylor, they're like, look, man, Robinson, Sawyer Robertson, you ain't that good. And you ain't going to embarrass us or even get to a point to where you're going to be a threat. And I know Jalen Daniels is a lot better than that, but they have a certain pride about them. You mentioned Jade Barron and him coming up and making plays, you know, we, what he could do for tackles for loss. But, man, just the young guys. We mentioned Derek Williams yesterday, the confidence that Sark and PK have in him, Anthony Hill, the confidence you have in that guy, Malik Muhammad. Those freshmen stepping up and having faith and confidence in them going out there and getting it done and not having really any fall off to the guys that have been there two or three years that's huge like again we had no idea that was going to be a thing we thought that certain guys would have to log in a lot of minutes because we didn't know if you could trust these young guys and man can you ever so yeah i love it i love this matchup i think that it definitely plays texas's favor and even though i'm picking kansas to cover i completely see 100 percent why vegas has them minus 17 like absolutely just because this texas team they haven't played a perfect game yet and still they've been winning like they've been winning. Like, that's scary. There's still room to get better. We saw, again, the muff punts. Burt Auburn, got to bring you up, dog. Ain't forgot, forget about you. I'm going to bring you up every day this week because you need to be brought up. You're, this is where, you know, when you hear these basketball players go on a drought shooting chip and they're taught, they're heard, all oh, he took over a thousand shots after practice. I need like a thousand kicks. I don't want you to tire that leg out, but you got to stay locked in. You can't have no fallout just because this team's winning. They're going to need you sooner or later. So, yeah, this team hasn't played a perfect game and 
that's very exciting and very scary for the rest of the Big 12, yet alone the nation. Well, I look at this thing, and, and uh, when Zay is cracking on the kicker, man, Bert, don't let, don't let Zay down. Please. Zay's going to be all up on your burnt orange hair if you let him down. Okay, here's the weather forecast. People are asking, what is, is it even hot in Kansas? Today, it's 85 degrees in Lawrence. It'll be 92 on Friday, 91 on Thursday. So, it's a little hot. It ain't Austin hot. It's a little hot. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, you know. Weather's not going to win the game. This is going to be about. Yeah, it was hot everywhere this summer. Those guys at Kansas, they'll, that won't phase them too much. You know, I love this. Wear them. I mean, you want to wear them down, you know. This comes in. It's Joe D. Camillus working with Jeff Banks and special teams. Yes. Yes, he is. So, got to make sure that uh, we get some stick them. On Jordan Whittington's hands. You know what I mean? All right, let's go. Uh, let's bring on our man, the guru. The one and only Chris Hummer, National College Football Analyst, 24-7 Sports. Hummer, how you doing? What up, y'all? Doing great. Doing good, man. Not as good as Texas right now, but but good. I mean, uh, well, let's uh, let's start there with uh, your thoughts on what you saw from Texas and Baylor or what, you know, your thoughts on that uh, performance? I thought it was impressive by Texas. Um, I know Baylor is not necessarily the team we've come to expect out of that program and they're struggling right now. Um, Obviously, Sawyer Robinson was not it on Saturday. He struggled to move. but Texas went into a tough place to play in Waco and utterly dominated. I thought Quinn Ewers played his second best game of the year besides Alabama. I thought the run game looked really healthy, uh, which has not always been the case. I think Jonathan Brooks really showed something on Saturday. And I thought it was a really strong performance by Texas overall. They looked great. They looked like they looked like a national championship contender. They went on the road, beat an average to below average power five team by a lot. And that's what those teams should do. Yeah. Hummer, what have you noticed with Texas' opponent this week? Kansas Jayhawks, Lance Leipold, he's done a hell of a job coming from Wisconsin-Whitewater, going 4-0 in back-to-back seasons. And the preseason player of the year, Jalen Daniels, he could go off at any time. He has a ton of moxie and just a solid dual-threat quarterback. What have you seen with the Jayhawks these first four games? I think they – like. Kansas looks like a team that's going to win eight or nine games. I think they're they're ranked this week, and I think it's justifiably so. Like they have one of the best offenses in college football. They have one of the best quarterbacks in college football, Jalen Daniels. I think he's earned that uh, earned that title. And if you were on a different team, I think he'd legitimately be in the Heisman mix. He's he's that good in my mind. Um, I think with Kansas, what you have to focus on is the defense. It's been much better this year. Um, I think they held BYU last week to nine yards rushing, which um, I know that BYU rushing attack isn't great, but that's still nine yards rushing. Kansas ranks in the top 15 yards allowed per play right now, which is a huge improvement over last year. 
this is a team that has gotten better since last season when they surprised almost everybody in the country. Um, so you really like Kansas. I just, I don't know how well they're going to match up um, from a speed perspective. This is a team that relies on its speed to create plays. It relies on that wide zone scheme and getting outside to create yardage. And um, with the team speed Texas has, I think it could be a difficult day uh, for Kansas, at least to score at the rate that we usually see them do week to week. Hummer, I got to say the haircut looks great. Smooth, <laughs> man. Haircut. Smooth. Smooth. Shout out, to, shout out to Bird's Barbershop over there. In Austin. <laughs> those, for those of our uh, listeners uh, watching on YouTube, they know what I'm talking about. For those of you listening on the app, sorry, we'll get back to football. Um, Hummer, contrast Kansas holding BYU to nine yards rushing to that 2013 massacre. Taysom Hill straight off a bike running for 200 plus in the Manny Diaz aftermath. That grabbed my attention. I'm not going to lie. And these portal guys, they grabbed this Devin kid out of Colorado State and a couple more Minnesota. Zay and I were talking yesterday. Who's left at Minnesota? They took, uh, they took this dude, uh, uh, Austin Booker, who was all over the field for Kansas against uh, BYU. They took this other kid, Gage Keys, which is kind of a cool name. Uh, both those guys from Minnesota, this Devin Phillips kid from Colorado State and they have like a new and improved defensive line and they're, they're getting after people. Uh, JB Brown from Bowling Green has come in. It's amazing because Kansas defense was atrocious last year, giving up almost 36 points per game, giving up over 200 yards rushing per game. Now they're holding BYU to nine yards. Yeah, they've done a great job creating depth on that defensive front. I think – they, I think they, I mean, they're like most teams, they rotate heavily on the defensive line. You have to, I think they go eight to 10 deep per game, or at least they like to. And I think four of the top eight are transfers. So this is a team that had a weakness. They identified it and they addressed it in the transfer portal, which is what you should be doing in college football in this era. Uh, shout out to the Clemson Tigers. Um, but yeah, shout out to old Dabo. But yeah, I mean, and they've got some really good pieces. I think Kobe Bryant is one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12, one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Austin Booker, you mentioned his name, is playing like one of the best defensive linemen in the Big 12. Um, this is a team four or five years ago even that was literally had nothing on defense. They were just getting destroyed week to week, but it's a really well-coached unit. Um, they have more depth than they've had in a very long time, and they're starting to be for real, which is what they needed to do. They've had... With Jalen Daniels, at least the last year and a half, they've had what is a top 10 offense in college football. They just needed the defense to help them out a little bit. And right now the defense is certainly helping. I, I Do I think that defense is good enough to slow down Texas and its team speed? Probably not. But this is one of the more interesting tests I think Texas will have this year because of the explosiveness of the Kansas offense and the way that Kansas defense has improved. All right, where yeah, were you last week, Hummer? Sorry, Zay, real quick. There you go. Uh, I, was, I was sitting on my couch, man. It was a, the best weekend of the year to be on the couch. Um, <laughs> just a lot of lot of football going on. Had the uh, YouTube TV four games going at once in every window. It was, it was a good old day. It was a good old Saturday. Nice. 
Hey, what'd you take from uh, the Oklahoma Cincinnati game? Emory Jones, he really struggled, and it wasn't like they didn't have opportunities. Those Bearcats, they got in the red zone multiple times. Their kicker shanked one. Emory Jones threw a horrible interception to the corner, and the Sooners they kind of just slugged them out in that twenty to six dub. But they're four and zero, and it seems like they're going to be five and zero when they meet Texas next weekend at the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, if I was an Oklahoma fan or, I guess, an interested Texas fan uh, looking in Oklahoma, I'd be of two minds with this team. One, the defense is obviously better. Um, I know they haven't exactly faced world beaters earlier this season, although I think SMU's offense is pretty good. Um, but Oklahoma's defense is getting more pressure than it did last year. They're not having to blitz as often as they did last year to do so. Um, they have some young secondary players that are playing really well. They have a couple of experienced uh, safety that are some of the best in the Big 12. And then another young guy, uh, Peyton Bowen, coming on, um, who's a true freshman. Danny Studsman, uh, who's their middle linebacker, is playing like arguably the best defensive player in the Big 12. I think he's right up there with guys like Jalen Ford and Tavondre Sweat right now for that title. Um, Malik Dunlap at Texas Tech is also playing great at cornerback. But this is a team that has taken significant steps forwards on defense. The problem is, for me, that offense isn't really firing the way you would expect it to. Um, they're, they're like stats. Like Dylan Gabriel's stats look great. Uh, he's done for, I think, 300 every game. Um, on paper, counting numbers are really good because the competition they've played hasn't been exceptional. But if you look at their schedule, the two decent teams they've played so far, SMU and Cincinnati, have held Oklahoma to under 30 points. Um, and Oklahoma, for large stretches of those games, struggled to score. I think Oklahoma lacks the receivers that get significant separation, and I think Oklahoma lacks a standout run game. So Oklahoma's at a point where its defense is kind of caught up a little bit, but its offense has taken a step back. And I would worry against the better teams in the Big 12, like your Texases, like your Kansases, like your Kansas States, that Oklahoma's going to struggle uh, to consistently produce points. Um, Hummer, it's interesting. I was just kind of glancing at college football news and their latest Heisman, um, you know, rankings have, uh, Caleb Williams, number one and, um, and Quinn Ewers is number, well, Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, Quinn Ewers, are we, I mean, it's early and it's ridiculous to be talking about it, but um, is Quinn Ewers having that kind of year yet? I think it depends on which Quinn Ewers you watched. If you watched the Quinn Ewers yeah, against Alabama, road, right? Yeah. If you, if you watch that Quinn Ewers, like absolutely. If you watch the Quinn Ewers <laughs> against Wyoming, probably not. But I think odds makers, like specifically, their whole job is to protect their book. And the last thing you want is Quinn Ewers at 20 to 1. Uh, fronting a Texas team that has the possibility to legitimately reach the college football playoff that being the quarterback at Texas for that. Plus uh, with the brand Texas has is a formula for being in the Heisman trophy mix. And I think Quinn Ewers has all of the right characteristics of the Heisman winner. Um, if Texas continues to play the way it does, does Quinn Ewers need to be a little more consistent? Absolutely. Um, he shouldn't have performances like he had against Wyoming. It, to me, it always feels like Quinn Ewers really gets up for the big games He's ready to play in those situations, but his footwork, his consistency can kind of lapse in those moments that don't seem to matter as much for Texas. And that's where it could get dangerous. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
I think in the moments it's really mattered this year for Texas, Quinn Ewers has stepped up. And if he can do that for a team that's a legitimate college football playoff contender, he should absolutely be in the Heisman mix. Hummer, another dame. Ohio State went down to the wire where Ohio State had to give that run at the very end. And, man, Ryan Day, our guy CB on here said, why is Ryan Day so angry? And he took some shots at Lou Holtz after the game, which were a little unnecessary, especially for an 86-year-old man to be taking daggers at him. But whatever. It was said and it's done now. But what did you notice in that game where the Buckeyes pulled it off? Well, first, why are people so angry at old men, man? Like Lee Corso took some shots from Jake Dickert, the Washington State head coach, over the weekend. Like Lee Corso can never mind. I'm not gonna say that. Lee Corso um, is an institution that should be protected, um, even though he struggles to maybe do the job as well as he used to. Uh, but yeah, it was it was an interesting weekend for that. Um, as for Ryan Day, like, I mean, I kind of get it, like. It sounds stupid to those not living in Columbus, but there have been like legitimately people calling for Ryan Day's job to be in question after the last couple of years. I think he's only lost like five games as a head coach, period. Um, he's had a team last year that I think if Marvin Harrison's healthy wins a national championship, like caught some bad breaks. And I think he's been excellent. But there have like there have been segments of that Ohio State fan base that have been very upset with Ryan Day. And I think specifically about their ability to win close games and to win tough games, which has been the problem against Michigan the last two years. So I think Ryan Day was uh, basically pushing his feelings on the Ohio State fan base on a Lou Holtz a little bit is what happened. And he was trying to send a message. Um, but I mean, Ohio State did win different. Like Ohio State won with its defense. Ohio State won a game where they got hit in the mouth multiple times by one of the better running attacks in college football. That Notre Dame has. And I thought Ohio State showed some championship medal on Saturday. Um, I might be alone on this. I know some people are questioning Ohio State's offense after that performance, but I came away more impressed by Ohio State because Kyle McCord, their starting quarterback, is going to have a month before he has to face Penn State. It's a cakewalk schedule to them. He's going to gain confidence. Marvin Harrison's going to be healthy, most likely coming out of this week. He hurt his ankle on Saturday. Like he's only going to get better. That Ohio State defense looks pretty nasty which has been the bugaboo for the team under Ryan Day. And if those two things are going in sync, like I think Ohio State's a legitimate national title contender, contender once again. Ohio State has the worst fans in college football, period. They are thugs and they are idiots and they are and they know it. Jim, how do you feel about Ohio State's fans, man? Oh, <laughs> I get out of the car at the 2005 Texas-Ohio State game. I'm like – in the media parking lot, I'm wearing black like I always do. And this idiot Ohio State fan is like, you're from Texas? You're from Texas? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, we're going to beat your ass. You shouldn't have come up here. We're going to beat your ass. And I go, actually, I'm from Michigan. And the guy was like, oh, oh, my God. And I just like, <laughs> walked off. I'm like, really? You're like picking fights with a middle-aged guy with a backpack. Like, I mean, I'm not even tailgating. I'm not anywhere near this guy. Ohio State fans are the worst. I hope they all rot in Columbus. My dad, of course, is a huge Michigan guy. They were season ticket holders to Michigan. He had a toilet seat that said, flush twice. It's a long way to Columbus. <laughs> I kind of love that toilet seat. I kind of miss it. I should have uh, should have grabbed that on the way out. Um, Hummer, 
Oregon beats the brakes off of Colorado. And everywhere I look, I'm seeing this bow is bodacious. That yellow sign, I'm seeing it all over game day. I'm seeing it in Times Square. So Phil Knight is clearly, he promised him, hey, man, I'm going to push you for the Heisman if you come to Oregon. But what do you think of Oregon and Bo Nick? I think Dan Lanning's done an excellent job. Um, he inherited a pretty good situation there from Mario Cristobal, but I think he's managed to push this forward um, in a way Mario Cristobal struggled to do. Uh, Mario Cristobal had a couple of college football playoff worthy teams and failed to cross that line. And I think Dan Lanning with his defensive background has really instilled a different level of toughness and frankly, a different level of quality on that roster. Um, they've used the transfer portal to augment their roster considerably. Obviously, Bo Nix, but um, like guys like Jordan Birch on the defensive line as well, who's a potential first or second day pick coming over from South Carolina. They've recruited better than they have under Mario Cristobal as well. So this is a Dan Lanning team that is extremely well coached um, and explosive. Um, I thought I think a lot of people probably wondered what Bo Nix would look like when Kenny Dillingham left for Arizona State, but. Uh, Dan Lanning went out and hired former Lake Travis high school offensive coordinator, Will Stein um, to be his offensive coordinator out of uh, UTSA. And they're clicking on all cylinders. Once again, Um, I think Oregon is a legitimate PAC 12 title contender. I would say they're the favorite, but that league is loaded this year. I think there are three legitimate college football playoff contenders out of that league, USC, Oregon, Washington, and maybe Washington state and Utah, depending on how some things go. So I don't know if Oregon's going to make the playoffs this year, but Dan Lanning has it rolling well. And I think Dan Lanning, if one of those big SEC jobs ever comes open again, it's going to be a popular call uh, for those jobs. Yeah, he could definitely motivate somebody. That dude, he had everybody turned up in that locker room. We're in it for wins. Oh, he wasn't playing no games, man. I love that guy. I'd play for him if I had any type of eligibility or talent. But that's a different story. Zay, again, like I, I keep hearing legendary stories of your basketball efforts in high school. So you got you got to stop selling yourself short, man. man I, I'm telling you, man. I like Quinn Ewers. I play in the big games. That's about <laughs> it. If we're playing a scrub team or something, then I'll dumb down to that level. But I appreciate that, Hummer. Big games, um, thirteen and seven. I will say <laughs> ten and five. I I will say, like, isn't it isn't it suspicious that like they were just like a well lit locker room for Dan Lanning when he made that speech and the oh, ESPN yeah. was in there. like he probably right off the cuff right like nothing nothing pre-planned from Dan Lanning there and his program that has a different uniform combination every week um, that was that was an interesting pot uh picking a fight with the kettle there um situation but they definitely backed it up there's no question all right Hummer so this week what I mean, we got uh, some interesting games. Obviously, we got uh, uh, AM at Arkansas. Um, we got Notre Dame at Duke. That's where game day is. You you called Duke early this season. Um, you got uh, USC in Colorado. What uh, what's grabbing your attention this week? I think the I mean the Notre Dame Duke game is the best game of the week. Uh, I think Duke is legit. Riley Leonard's my favorite under the radar quarterback in the country. I think he has first round potential. Duke showed in that Clemson game that they're good enough to win the ACC. I mean, this is a Duke team that 
last year won nine games and the four they lost were all by, I believe, seven points or less. So they were in every single game last year. But I will, I will say Notre Dame really impressed me on Saturday. I feel like people are going to get on Marcus Freeman for only having 10 players on the field for the last two plays, which is obviously a pretty big issue and is really wild when you think about it. But I thought Notre Dame showed a level of competency and a level of quality, especially along both lines of scrimmage um, that they haven't in a long time. They have a quarterback that I think is good enough uh, to lead them the rest of the way. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame ran the table. I would, I would pick Notre Dame on Saturday against Duke as much as I hate to do so, but that's a really good game. I think the Florida Kentucky game in the SEC East is going to be really interesting. Um, Georgia is obviously the best team in that division, but I think both of those teams have a chance to finish second. Um, I think Kentucky's won, Kentucky's won three of the last five and Florida's won 33 of the last 36. So that tells you how that rivalry has gone recently. Kentucky's owned it. Um, so that's a fascinating game. And you mentioned A&M Arkansas, like Connor uh, Wagman might not play this week. Um, I know he's dealing with a leg injury. I haven't exactly heard positive things about him lining up. So it might be Max Johnson on Saturday against Arkansas. So that could be a chance for Sam Pittman to score an upset that he failed to get last week against LSU. Yeah. Yo, Homer, I was surprised Mac Johnson came in and did as well as he did. I mean, the Southpaw, he was throwing it around, and he looked confident, and he had that touchdown to his brother, and Jimbo being on the field, that's absolutely bogus. He needs <laughs> to be fine for that, but whatever. Maybe that's just the burnt orange coming out of me hating right there. But, yeah, Max Johnson, a guy that a lot of people wrote off, and I know a lot of those Aggies were nervous when he came in. He did a fine job. Yeah, I think we're in, um, I thought Max Johnson played well, and I think that Bobby Petrino offense has really made a huge difference there. I think what limits Max compared to Connor is the mobility aspect of that. Connor Wagman is one of the better athletes at quarterback in the country. Max Johnson, like his dad, Brad Johnson, is much more statuesque. But it's not like Max hasn't done this before. Um, he was, I think it was 2020 or 2021, at LSU, he started the last four games of the season for the Tigers and played really well the season Ed Orgeron got fired before he transferred to Annam last year. So he's like, I think he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the country. I just think Connor Wagman was playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the country, period. So it'll be an adjustment. Um, but yeah, I think this is an opportunity for AM to gain some momentum. They should have probably beaten Miami. I think that's a game that Jimbo Fisher's going to really regret losing. But they are showing some signs of life, especially defensively the last couple of weeks that I think are a positive going to this game. So I think this game at Jerry world, a game that has been tight almost every year it's been played at that stadium. I think it's going to be really telling about the direction of AM season. All right, Homer last week, Jalen Milrow returns to the uh, starting quarterback position for Alabama. He runs 16 times for 28 yards. There was some, uh, you know, one touchdown pass, one interception, but Alabama handles business against the blabbermouth Kiffin. What did you learn about Alabama in that win? I think it's more about, I thought Jalen Milrow played okay, obviously not great, but I think it's the identity that Alabama showed. Um, there were way more design runs for Jalen Milrow on Saturday. I think way more one read, two read passes that are put him in a comfortable spot. I think Tommy Reese, the best job he has all year, conforming to the talent that he has. And what he has right now is decent receivers, good running backs, a decent run blocking offensive line, a quarterback 
that struggles to make reads and make some bad decisions and an offensive line that's a disaster pass blocking. So it's not, it's not exactly the best pieces in the world, but I thought they found the recipe last week to at least be successful and have an identity consistently week to week moving forward. And if Alabama has an identity offensively and is decent offensively, that's good enough to beat most teams every week. And I, um, I am of that mind on Saturday against Mississippi state. I think Alabama will continue to roll over the state of Mississippi. I think Mississippi state, ironically, when we talk about identity, that was a team that was an air raid program for so long under Mike Leach. They tried to do a hard pivot earlier this year with the, I think the active passing leader in the FBS, which is Will Rogers. He hadn't thrown 30 times a game once the first three weeks. Mississippi State was a disaster. And last week he threw 48 times and they almost pulled a huge upset. So I think Mississippi State is in a much better place, but Alabama is too. And I, I would expect that momentum to continue for the tide. Yeah. Sorry hey, about Humber, the dog, by the way. He's just very enthusiastic about <laughs> he loves the show. He loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Hummer, tell us a little bit about a team that's not getting enough credit. I think it's because they're in the Pacific Northwest, but the Washington Huskies, like that offense is a juggernaut. We saw a little bit of it last year in the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio when they faced the Horns. Like Michael Penix, that dude, you know, he's right there in the Heisman with Caleb Williams, and that might be the best receiving core in the nation. I know Longhorn fans don't want to hear that, but what they're doing up there in Seattle, it's big time. Yeah, Michael Penix is just playing at a ridiculous level. I mean, everybody everybody in Texas saw that at the Alamo Bowl, especially in the second half. He just he is remarkably accurate. Um, he's not the most mobile quarterback in the world. He's been hurt all the time in his career. But in this system, like the way he places the football and some of his deep throws and the really tight windows are just in like if you just go watch him on film it's it's crazy some of the stuff he's doing and some of the passes he's making and you're absolutely right Zay like he's got three of the best receivers in the country Roma Duzier, Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan um I think they have the best wide receiver trio in the country I would say Ohio State still has the best wide receiver duo and Texas is certainly in that mix but they are just remarkably explosive on the outside Kalen DeBoer um has created a system that is great for the talent he has. And I mean, I think people forget like their offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, Alabama tried really hard to hire him this off season. Um, he ended up turning down Alabama to stay at Washington and he got a pay raise and had Alabama made that hire. Like I think Alabama looks a lot better. I think Ryan Grubb is going to be one of the more popular off season targets uh, for FBS head coaching jobs. And they're just doing a great job there. Like that offense is legit. I don't know if the defense is going to hold up, they haven't really faced anybody from a passing perspective that is going to truly test them this year. You saw Cal move the ball a little bit against them on Saturday, but that offense is as good as anybody in the country, and they're gonna they're gonna throw for 300 yards every week. Yeah, Dunze is averaging 20.1 yards per catch, and Jalen Polk is averaging 20.3 yards per catch. And these dudes, I mean, Adunze is already at uh, 544 yards receiving, like. They're they're amazing, and I, I agree with you on that. All I right. thought Adunze was going to the league. Yeah, like I thought he was that good. I thought he was gone. He said, "Nah, I guess we have something special going here." So he came back, and yeah, it's impressive. Yeah, and like Jalen Polk, like I don't know if anybody remembers, but he was like a Texas Tech signee out of high school, like a high three star. Um, I think he was only there for a year or two, and he transferred to Washington. 
two years ago. Um, and, and that system with that quarterback, he's emerged as one of the best receivers in the country. Um, that's the level Michael Penix is playing at. And they just have, they have dudes like simple as that, like dudes win football games and they got plenty of dudes at receiver. All right. So Hummer, before we, uh, before we let you get back to your, your grind, the line for Texas, Kansas 17, does that seem high to you or no? I picked, I think I picked Kansas to cover. We do me and my colleague, Brad Crawford do picks every week. We're, I'm not trying to brag, but we're both rolling at like 57% ATS. So this is like, Let's go. we've done pretty well. And I picked Kansas to cover. Um, I think it might be one of those games where Texas is up 10 to 17 points for most of the afternoon and maybe lets off the gas a little bit at the end. But I, I think it's a fair number. I just, I might be wrong, but I think this is just a different Texas team. I think Kansas' O-line is good, but Texas' defensive run is going to make it really hard to run the ball. I don't think Kansas has the wide receivers to necessarily separate the way you need to against Texas' secondary. And I just, from a speed perspective, I don't really know how Kansas' secondary is going to hold up. So I, it feels like an appropriate number, but I also have seen Kansas walk into Austin and win a football game. I've seen Kansas end a coach's career at Texas in recent memory. So you never know with the Jayhawks. Um, I'm going to, frankly, I'm going to really miss this game. Like I know Texas fans probably like to make fun of it, but like, and for a long time, it's probably the worst ticket to get in Austin, but it's been really fun the last six years. And um, I'll be a little sad to see the Jayhawks off the Texas schedule. Okay. Well, what other picks did you make this week? You picked, uh, you're picking Notre Dame against Duke to cover. Yeah. Notre Dame against Duke, yeah. but Duke to cover. Um, I have Tennessee covering South Carolina, LSU covering against Ole Miss, uh, Michigan covering against Nebraska, Georgia covering against Auburn. Uh, you could go on for a while, but, um, I hope everybody checks out the predictions column that Brad writes, uh, on 24, seven sports.com tomorrow. Yeah. 24, seven sports.com. Read everything that Chris Hummer writes. It is Gold. I'm a, where are you going this week? You're going to be gold, gold for sure. I'm uh, I'm on the couch again this weekend, but I'll be at Texas OU next week. I'll see y'all folks there. Yeah. I think game day is going to the red river shootout and that's why they didn't mess with this Texas Kansas game. Cause they're, they're banking on OU beating Iowa state and oh. Texas beating Kansas. Seems like a, seems like a pretty safe bet on the Oklahoma standpoint. And plus like everybody wants their corn dogs uh, next week. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. It's time. All right, Hummer, you're the best. Appreciate right, you, man. Thanks, Chris. Tuesday. There you go. All right, there he is, Chris Hummer. Guy's gold. Yeah, man. He's on top of it. He tells it to you straight, just like we tell it to you straight, right, Zay? That's right, man. That's what you get here, Chip and Zay, Texas. You know what I mean? The truth tellers. Rick, Rick Barnes always used to say, you need truth tellers in your life. So I'm going to tell you the truth right now. How about, uh, how about my man, uh, Tom McKay at audiovisual consultations. Here's the great thing. You don't have to, you don't have to move a muscle. Well, yeah, you do. You gotta, you gotta pick up your phone and you gotta dial 512-255-8678. And you just say, Hey Tom, and I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about that. He's like, okay, I'm coming. Free consultation. And then once he comes and tells you what he can do, how he's going to beat the best prices on big screen TVs and make sure that you get everything you want, whether it's big screen TVs, surround sound, lighting, surveillance, electronic shades, 
All you have to do is call because from the free consultation to installation, Tom and his crew bring everything to you. Don't waste your time and money driving around on game day, going to sports bars. Although Tom probably put the TVs and sound into those sports bars. Make your home the place to be. You have everyone over. Tell them to bring you beer. You know what I mean? It all starts with audiovisual consultations. Just call 512-255-8678 or go to avconsultations.com. All right, Zay. Where you want to go here, my man? Oh, uh, just kind of piggyback off what Hummer was saying about, you know, college football and where he thinks this Kansas team, how it's going to look this weekend against the Longhorns. And I agree with him. I think just as good as this Kansas team has been, and we know Jalen Daniels being preseason big 12 player of the year. And Chris had very <laughs> high things to say about that dude. And if he wasn't at Kansas, he'd be getting more Heisman talks and I couldn't agree more, but all around the talent ain't there. And just this mindset with this Texas football team, this defense, you know, all the leadership, Quinn Ewers, Steve Sarkeesian, everybody's focused. Like, this should be a trap game. And the way that Sarks laughed it off yesterday at the presser, he, he laughed it off like, uh, hell no, we ain't got no trap games. Then you hear John A. Barron and this whole team talking about no championship game every week. Every week we feel like we're playing for the title. Because that's what it is in college football. And I talked about it yesterday and will continue to talk about it all year until something dramatically changes. But with how weak this Big 12 is, losing one game, that's, that can't even be a thing if you want to make it to the college football playoff. Because, again, you've got about eight teams in the Pac-12 that are ranked. Got that ACC battling out with Florida State and Duke's good this year. We know Ohio State and Michigan are going to be something. And I didn't even mention the SEC. Like, it's very easy if a couple of Big 12 teams lose that are undefeated right now. They end up losing Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. Obviously, we don't want that. But those teams, no matter if they win the Big 12 or not, don't get in just because it's weak out here in these streets. So knowing that, you can't BS, man. You cannot play around. You cannot play with your food. You can't be picking at it with a fork. You got to eat it once they serve it to you at the damn table. And this Texas team, they have that mindset. We haven't seen it consistently. Baylor's probably the first game that we saw both sides, offense and defense, both shine. Let's not mention the special teams. We know about what happened with them, but – First time we've seen them both shine consistently where you felt good going into the next game. Like, okay, this team is getting better and they can be complete. So, yeah, I think that, you know, more and more as I talk about it, minus 17, that sounds a lot better than it did yesterday, Chip. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like the Texas defense against Kansas's offense. I know. Listen. Texas has an elite defense, I think. I think they do. And I think as long as Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are on the field, Jalen Ford, Jade Barron, look, they got experienced leadership at every position group on defense. They got guys who are sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's what it takes. 
you know, when Texas finally ended their losing streak to OU in the early 2000s, it took Casey Studdard and Lyle Senline and Vince Young saying enough, enough. We're done with this and we're going to handle business. And I think this is where the Texas defense is. I don't think they're going to like be lackadaisical or think just because they stomped Kansas 55 to 14 last year that it's going to be some light work. If they think like that, then I I've got them wrong from their mindset because I think the players have taken control of this thing and are saying we're on a mission. Every week's a championship game. They said that the first week and I was like, Oh Lord, this is, this is the worst coach speak I've ever heard, but they're right. You beat Alabama, man, that next week against Wyoming is a championship game. Every week is a championship game. If you, if you truly feel like you can win, the national championship, that's how you got to look at it. So that by the time you get to that point, it's like, hey, we know how to handle ourselves. We know how to handle business. We got this. Okay, now here's here's our weather report from my man, from Pete in Kansas City. He said, uh, strongly believe cramps are coming for KU. <laughs> He said the past three weeks, it's been like fall, low to mid 70s. Yes, it's 80s later this week here, but been cool here. On field at DKR will be 100 to 120. Can't prep for that. Cramps are coming, says Pete. Thank you, Pete. Thank you. He's our crampologist, say. Did you know we had a crampologist on this show? I mean, I, I did not. We'll bring on anybody. Well, almost anybody, but yeah. Listen, hey, appreciate it. We got crampologists. Yeah, man, yeah. we need that insight, that deep dive. We appreciate that. that. I mean, I'm, I don't know who it would come from, but yeah, this is why you do that conditioning and 105 and middle of the afternoon stuff to prepare for these games for teams that might not be prepared for it or might not see it or experience it. And this team, just the fact that they're able to rotate so many guys, man, I cannot say that enough, how important that is. You know, Jalen Catalan, the question that you asked them, like, hey, you know, <laughs> you have to kind of ask, like, yo, is this guy low-key in the doghouse? You didn't say it like that, but that's what I was thinking when you asked that question to Steve Sarkeesian. Like, yo, is this why is he playing that much? Like, this guy was all sec i he should be playing every snap and sarkin's just like nah we got other dudes we're keeping him fresh and we're i love that for Jalen catalog yeah man five deep out there put in laffy taffy Derek williams jaron thompson keaton crawford you know Jalen catalog they are five deep for real and yeah. all those guys have a lot of confidence in making moves and making plays. Like, you know, man, shout out to my guy Laffy Taffy, man. That dude, he's a warrior. 
I, every time he gets in, I'm like, uh-oh, okay, here we go. Just because, you know, when you see a white boy back there, it's, he's just kind of – it makes you think. And he was a walk-on too. Let's not forget that. He was a former walk-on. So we're like, all right, he has to earn some stripes for me and some yeah, earn some more stripes. And that dude's been solid. Yeah, he had that pass interference call, but the way he hit Sawyer Robinson on that third down uh, a couple of plays later, that dude, he ain't be, uh, BSing around. And – yeah, you know, I saw somebody on the comment section talk about um, Jalen Gilbo. Like, that says a lot that he hasn't played that much because I think that dude is capable of contributing. He did last year before he got injured, and yeah, I don't know problem, if he's still recovering. But his problem is he's backing up Jade Barron, who's playing some of the best football we've seen. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Now they're real close. They're real tight. I've been to a basketball game in the Pflugerville area for middle school, and I saw Jade Barrett and Jalen Gilbo. They showed up to that game. I think they were supporting one of Jade's kinfolk. But yeah, man, like those dudes, they're real tight. So yeah, you just need all that depth around, man. You need that. We've been begging for it so long here at the 40 Acres, and now that's it's here, and you're seeing guys get developed, and you're seeing the confidence that the coaching staff has and bringing in multiple guys at a time and you have no drop-off, that's going to be huge as the season goes on once you get wins and keeping guys fresh so you can make some noise after January 1st. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 good with how they're rotating guys on, on defense. I mean, it's like wholesale changes too. I mean, it's like you look up and – in the game is, you know, Anthony Hill and Derek Williams and Jamon Tap. Jamon Tap. And my my boy Chris Ross is hurt, but um with that elbow, but man, he was he was starting to get some uh some pressure. And the good thing for Texas is they are converting pressures into sacks, five sacks last week. Let's see what they can do with with Jalen Daniels, Jalen Daniels has been sacked five times all season. And we'll see if, uh, if Texas can get to him, they were able to get to him last year. They intercepted him. Jalen Ford with the big interception, Jade Barron, speaking of Jade, he dropped a pick six in this game a year ago, and he still thinks about it. So um, Jade's trying to get his hands on the rock because he likes to score when he gets his hands on the rock. Let's see if if they can turn this Kansas offense over like that. Cause yeah. They've uh they've been pretty good when they have the yeah. opportunity. Yeah, go back and watch this BYU film this past Saturday when they went up to Lawrence and played Kansas. They were getting pressure on Jalen Daniels. Problem is, he's so damn athletic that he just maneuvers away from it and breaks tackles and makes guys miss and stuff. And now BYU's defense, they don't have the talent that Texas does, so I expect those tackles to actually happen that they missed. But, yeah, you got to be on your P's and Q's with Jalen Daniels because he's the ultimate dual threat and you know they'll use them on a lot of design run plays for him and Hyshaw and Neil both of those guys they're solid running backs like they have a lot of confidence in those guys too to move the ball so that definitely opens up the pass game for them which they're wide receivers 
pretty underrated. You know, they're pretty underrated. We heard uh, Chris talk about them and saying that he doesn't think that their speed is right there, especially at going against Texas as secondary. But you can't sleep on them. <laughs> you know, you can't sleep on the Luke Grams and all those guys. Like, you cannot sleep on them one bit. So I expect them to be very competitive. But if Texas plays the way that we know they can play, then – that 17 line, it could go to 25. Like, it could be a blowout if they're clicking on all cylinders, a lot like what we saw against Baylor on Saturday. All right, Zay, before we get to the chip shot, you want to tell everyone about our good friends at Covert Bee Cave, who will be hosting Ricky Williams before the K-State game on, on the Friday before the K-State game. That's right. Number 34 will be there on Friday with the guys, and the guys will also be there on Saturday previewing the game at 12 Covert B Cave. Been doing it for over 100 years in the greater Austin area, the Covert family, and they've been committed to providing customers with the high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. And at the 42 Acres one over there on B Cave, they got seven wonderful brands for you to choose from. So on that just special day, if you're trying to get it for the missus or the mister, it doesn't matter. You could go get it at Covert BK from Dodge, Chrysler, Cadillac, GMC, Buick, Ram, and Jeep. They will hook you up. Go to CovertBCave.com for the latest specials and inventory. Check out all the other Coverts in the greater Austin area. Covert Cave. nobody beats a Covert deal. Not now, not ever. Not now, not ever. All right. Not ever. Um. Today's chip shot is going to be about Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, he's still a little bit of an enigma to me. We saw him walk out on the field against Alabama last year, carve him up 9 of 12, passing 134 yards, deep shots to Xavier Worthy over the middle, down the sideline, and then boom, he was out of the game, his return game, was against Oklahoma. Four touchdowns passing, seam routes to JT Sanders, finding Bijan Robinson on the sideline on a third down connection. The guy loves the big stage. The big stage is coming, but the big stage is a week away. Like, I feel more confident about Quinn Ewers playing great at the Cotton Bowl than I do about him playing great against Kansas on Saturday at 2.30. That is weird. That's weird because, yeah, Kansas went and found some dudes in the portal, and they got some good DBs. I mean, Kenny Logan, uh, Kobe Bryant, C-O-B-E-E Bryant. They got – they got, and they're well coached. Like, they're, they're bought into what they're doing. They feel the they, – they've got some juice to them, Kansas. But Texas has three of Kansas's roster on its roster. They rotate that well. Texas, this is what this is what happens when Texas is doing what it's supposed to be doing. When Texas is winning, when Texas is recruiting, when Tex Texas is the place people want to go. My man Brandon Baker, the five-star offensive lineman, is getting recruited by. Everybody, USC right there, modern day, Washington, 
other programs that are in the top 10 right now, he wants to go to Texas. And that's, that's the way it should be. And that's why I've said this season's so important for Texas to maintain this momentum going into the SEC. Keep winning. Don't give the other programs you're fighting against, the Georgias, the Alabamas of the world, don't give them negative talking points to say, yeah, they're just – they talk a good game. They don't have it. All hat, no cattle. So Quinn Ewers, I, I keep waiting for him for, for the rocket ship to start doing this. And look, maybe it's too early. Maybe we all bumped him up too, too far, too fast because he was the number one recruit in the country and he went to Ohio State. He was miserable. Comes to Texas, got to learn the offense. It's like I'm looking back at the Kansas game from last year. Quinn Ewers was okay. He was 12 of 21, 107 yards. He didn't have to do much. He threw for one touchdown. It was all B. John Robinson, 25 carries, 243 yards, four touchdowns. Jonathan Brooks had 11 carries for 111 yards and two touchdowns, or 108 yards, sorry, two touchdowns. That means six touchdowns on the ground. Quinn Ewers didn't have to, didn't have to do much. Well, now you got these weapons. You got Xavier Worthy. You got A.D. Mitchell. You got J.T. Sanders. He's, he's moving the ball around. He's getting it to everybody's throwing it to the backs. He looked great last week, 78% completion rate, clean. I want to see it at home. I want to see it Saturday at 2.30. I want to see him come out fast and furious. I want this to be a Vin Diesel performance. You know what I mean, Zay? I need to see some muscle from my man Ewers. Like I'm looking at college football news, and he's the number three in the Heisman race. I'm like, it's early. People are whatever, whatever. I don't know. I get Caleb Williams. I get Michael Penix. I probably would have a couple other people ahead of Quinn Ewers right now, but I've seen the Wyoming game. I've seen the Rice game. This week, I want to see it go to another level because it may not be a trap game for the Longhorns, so it shouldn't be a trap game for Ewers. Ewers should just be – he, he shouldn't even see an opponent. It should be, here's our game plan. Here's my guys. My offensive line can pass protect. This is a better pass protecting offensive line than it is a run blocking line, which Dan Neal will tell you that that's never the case, you know, but this is a good pass protecting offensive line and they should be able to light people up. So I'm ready to start seeing that 300 yards passing per game, 40 points, like we saw last week, basically, is what I'm asking for. So, Zay, I'm ready for the Quinn, Shoe- Quinn Ewers show in Austin to begin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as am I and a whole bunch of Texas fans, Chip. You know, Quinn Ewers, he showed me a lot of, of- – maturity yesterday and he showed me all off season coming into the season obviously the weight loss and the haircut and stuff but something that he said yesterday stood out to me when he was talking about just understanding that football doesn't define them as a person 
and he is so comfortable with his faith and himself at this point of his career. And he talked about it, you know, with those ESPN guys before the game on Friday that he took being the Texas quarterback for granted last year. And you mentioned, you know, him being the number one recruit and going to Ohio State and getting that bag, chasing that bag early on because the UIL rules here in Texas for NIL are very limited. And him leaving early, he got a chance to really experience that to the full effect. So there was a lot of distractions last year. And there's still distractions here. You're the quarterback of Texas. But I think he's embracing it more for the positive and the negative he's not letting it phase him like he did last year from all the people talking you know Hudson Card he should be in and stuff and in a way it should be worse this year with the Arch Manning effect like everybody and their mama before the season they seriously thought well not everybody and their mama us guys down here in Texas we knew what was really going on but national media they were all thinking that this was going to be a serious quarterback battle Hell, Arch Manning is QB3. He's on some red shirt stuff right now, which that's what we kind of anticipated or what we wanted because that would mean that Quinn Ewers is the guy and Sark has confidence to where you're not even looking at number 16 who's waiting his turn. So, yeah, I, I love this version of Quinn Ewers, and it just seems like he's right there for it really taking off for it really taking off. And a lot of that has to do with Sark going back to the play calling and kind of just how up and down that's been this season. Alabama game locked in. Baylor game locked in. Rice and Wyoming, not so much. Kind of up and down that, oh, they did something on film, and then when they saw it on the field, it wasn't the same. I don't know what's happening. They completely duped us, Chip. Just we got got, you know. You didn't hear that. Here you go. Yeah, a week ago. Like, come on now. Like, so a lot's on Sark on how good Quinn Ewers does. And shout out to the people hearing us on the text line, 512-222-9328. Like, this dude, Quinn Ewers, he's done all the right things so far on showing us that he is the guy that deserves to be talked as a high pick in a draft, but there's still more that he can do. And that's what's exciting. Like JT Sanders, over 100 yards against Baylor, zero touches against Wyoming. You know, like that's the, the stuff that goes back to Sark. And it's like, okay, what are we really doing here? Because that dude, like Brock Bowers is nice and all, but JT Sanders, he's going to be turning a lot of heads, especially with that one-handed catch that he did. Like Brock Bowers is special, but number zero, he's got some game some serious game and he should never go a ball game with zero touches. Like that's absolutely ridiculous. So all the weapons that you have at Mitchell, he didn't really pop off against Wyoming or Baylor, but we know what he could do with those two touchdowns that he had against Alabama, Xavier worthy. Like we know he's always going to be a threat just because of how fast he is and how tight his breaks are of, you know, getting open and stuff. And then Jordan Whittington, that guy's a security blanket who you talk about him having more stick on, but he, He's going to have a big game when you least expect it, especially, you know, since all the guys that I just named are going to have so much attention. So, yeah, man, this Texas team, this Texas offense specifically, they still haven't reached that point to where they look completely unstoppable. We've seen 
times they've shined, but just not as consistent through the four games as we want. If they do that these next two weeks, then, man, they're going to shock the nation and the world and showing something that we haven't seen in a long time since the Colt McCoy days. Yeah, because you look at Michael Penix and, you know, he lit up Boise. Boise's a good team. Lit him up for 450. Okay, lit up Tulsa for 409. Went to Michigan State, lit him up for 473 and four touchdowns. And then Cal, that's a pretty good Cal team under Justin Wilcox. 59-32, threw for 304 yards, four touchdowns. Like, he's he's just destroying people. And, and that's kind of what I'm looking for from, from Quinn because they have the firepower to do it. That's – that's what Mac Jones did in 2020. Now, Mac Jones had a ridiculous year, but they got that kind of firepower, like you were just mentioning, with Worthy, with A.D. Mitchell, with Jonte Cook, J.T. Sanders, insert playmaker here. But, um, yeah, and then Israel says the 3-8 cloud, it's coming. I mean, look, if you've had time to prepare – you probably need to work some of that in and you probably needed to be doing it over the summer in your training camp and saving it for this week. But we'll see. We'll see if Oklahoma, we'll see if Kansas tries some of that. I don't know. A lot of times you kind of are who you are at this point in the season. We'll see. We'll see if the, if, if defenses are going to radically change. I mean, clearly Wyoming did their homework they knew that you were struggled with it last year. They were ready. They they had it in their bag, and they saved it for Texas. We'll see how many other teams put that much thought and interest into it. So, well, if, well, again, like if you see it, you got to recognize it early, and you got to crumble up that damn game plan and script that is so famous. Like we're. We're shooting that thing in the trash like Kobe. Like, crumble it up and look at your guys, A.J. Milley, Paul Christ, and be like, hey, y'all are here for a reason. Help me out. Even though I'm calling the plays here, help me out. And somebody on our text line, Chip, said, leaving Ohio State hindered Quinn's development way more than it helped. How do you feel about that? Leaving Ohio State hindered it? I leave it I mean, for Ohio State, I want to oh, say. Leaving yeah, for Ohio State. Yeah. That it that was a wasted that was a wasted four months. He should have been playing high school ball with his team. I don't even think it was his idea to go chase the NIL bag, honestly. Um, I think he had people in his family pushing for that. And I it made me feel sorry for Quinn, honestly. But yeah, I, I think that was a waste of time. That was four months of misery for Quinn Ewers in Columbus. And and now I think he's happy. I think he likes Austin. I think he likes his teammates. I think he is growing more comfortable in his own skin as the quarterback at Texas because you are – you're an ant under the magnifying glass as the quarterback at Texas. That's as high profile a position as there is in college football. And it's like being the quarterback at Notre Dame. It's like being the quarterback of the Cowboys. There's going to be attention on you all the time, especially when the team is good and the team is good. So, 
Yeah, and Kyle says, hey, get get my man Stickham Whittington with those uh, shallow middle routes. And I agree. Dude's toughest receiver they have going over the middle. He's Mr. Third Down. Feed him. Feed him. Yeah. yeah. All right, before we know, get – Can they have like a baby B up Bevo or something like that? You know what I'm saying? Can they bring that with them? I, I know you Bevo can't travel too far. Far, but like maybe a baby Bevo, so Jordan Winnington could just have that bond because we know how he feels about that animal. Like that dude loves that animal. So there was uh, anything that would help. There was someone who brought a longhorn that looked like Bevo and had it over at a tailgate, like just in a tailgate at Baylor last week, and people were like what? smiling and taking pictures. And I was like, this is crazy. I actually took a picture. I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. Call call PETA because that ain't right. I mean, oh. it was like, <laughs> like on the side of the road. I was yeah, like, what? what are we doing here? I don't think that's okay. That's kind of – I mean, I'm all for having fun, but not everybody deserves that responsibility of handling a Bevo-like Longhorn. Yeah. And everybody knows, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's a little wild. They need to call Peter on that and call Peter on Lane Kiffin and that damn golden retriever. That golden retriever, man, I feel so bad for that dog. That dog's probably the neglect that it has, man, and just the wrongdoing, seeing different women come up into the house every other week and stuff like that. And, yeah, man, and the way they parade that dog at Old Miss and stuff, let that dog have a normal life. You don't have no normal life. You want to go to the dog park and chase bones and eat chicken hearts and stuff like that. Like live a good, just natural dog life. You don't want to be the owner or uh, uh, the dog of Lane Kiffin and all of his ridiculousness that he brings to the table. Right. Come on. <laughs> Come all right. You, Zay, you have your phone next to you? Yeah, I got it. Okay, look at that picture because there's a they got a saddle on Bevo or whatever Bevo Light or Bevo Junior. There's a girl sitting she's on She's sitting a, on that thing. She's sitting on him. She's sitting on him. Wow. I mean, he was at Baylor last week on the side of the road, on the side of MLK. They're big, heavy wow, traffic. Wait, why is she doing horns down? Hold on. Who is this girl? She needs help. Was she on that juice? I see the green cup. Yeah, she was on something. Because she's doing the horns down with the Texas shirt on. It's very odd. I've never seen, like, I think she's confused. Yeah, Something's not right. Something's not right. Confused. Cute little thing, but, yeah, she's she's confused. Somebody needs to help old girl out. Confused. <laughs> let me tell you, let me tell you, before we get to the right call, let me tell you who's not confused, and that is Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, baby. This is this is our man Jack Gilmore. He he gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen, and he's giving you Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, the best seafood you're gonna have. And of course, all night happy hour on Monday night. So hopefully, all of you went to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking last night, like we told you to do yesterday. Um, but Salt Traders Coastal Cooking also has happy hour from three thirty to six thirty every night. Come on, and on the weekend. Still serving dollar off oysters till 2 p.m. It's one of the best happy hours around. So stop by one of their locations in Austin or Round Rock. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, baby. You can thank us later. 
you love Jack Allen's, you're going to love Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. All right. You know what time it is, folks. It's time for the right call with my man, Zay Collier. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Let's go to the NFL, Chip Brown. So, a guy that is known for making ridiculous marks to the remarks, excuse me, to the media. Broadway Joe Namath had something to say about his Jets and where they are right now with their current quarterback, Zach Wilson. He went on one of the New York radio stations and he said this about Zach. It's disgusting. I wouldn't keep him. I've seen enough of Zach Wilson. So, yeah, what a horrible performance that he had against the Patriots. We knew Zach wasn't even supposed to be in this situation. Again, Aaron Rodgers, he's supposed to be playing. All that they spent on him to bring him down from Green Bay, the 39-year-old, in four plays, Torres Achilles, and, hey, now the Jets are shit out of luck. And Zach Wilson as good as he was supposed to be coming out of BYU, it just doesn't seem like he's going to figure it out. It seems like he'll always be a backup. Hell, he might not even be in the NFL long just because. But, yeah, it just doesn't seem like he's ready for the moment, his decision-making. He's always escaping the pocket. It's, the, it's you know Instead of sticking in there and just making the throws that you have to make as an NFL quarterback. And it's not like he doesn't have talent. Like Garrett Wilson, one of the best young receivers in the league, offensive rookie of the year in 2022, and that defense, defense they're really good too so it's like you know they're wasting a season with Zach Wilson taking the snaps and you're starting to hear rumors chip around like oh do they go out and get maybe a Kirk Cousins because the Vikings are 0-3 and and they're kind of wasting their time over there in Minneapolis. And, you know, they're just kind of disgruntled with what Kirk Cousins is bringing to the table. I don't know if that's the route. They just picked up Trevor uh, Simeon to be on the practice squad. So, yeah, if you're a Jets fan, you're pretty salty right now. I mean, you did not expect the 2023 season to be like this or to start like this. And it seems like Zach Wilson, people, including Joe Namath, they want him out of there going into week four. You know, after that first game where he came in in relief of Aaron Rodgers and went 14 to 21, it wasn't great, but they won. They beat Buffalo in overtime. And I get it. There was a lot of other circumstances going on. He still had an interception in that game. He hasn't thrown for 200 yards, um, gosh, dating back to – he hadn't thrown for 200 yards this year, and he hadn't thrown – well, he threw for 300 yards against my Lions last year in a loss. But it's not it's not pretty. He's turned the ball over in five straight games. Um, but, man, I thought he was going to turn it. I thought, I thought the guys were going to rally around him. I thought he was – he'd kind of – maybe changed something. Oh, but man, 18 to 36 against the Patriots. They lose 15 to 10 in a game that will just burn your eyes. It was so ugly. And now you got Broadway Joe, who's old as 
dirt, just throwing dirt. <laughs> and you, I mean, that's like the kiss of death. Joe, Joe's lost all faith. He's old. He's 80. And he's Damn. just, I've seen enough. I'd get rid of Zach Wilson. Well, listen, Jets, Woody Johnson, you should have done your homework. You bring in a guy from BYU to be the quarterback in Gotham City. You got to have a guy who's who loves it, loves the moment, loves all the action. I mean, Eli didn't love it at first, and he learned to love it. And you, you need a guy like Brett Favre. I mean, you need a guy who can handle the big stage, loves the, loves the lights. I thought Aaron Rodgers was starting to love it. I would have been really interested to see what he could do with Garrett Wilson and all those running backs. But, man, what a disaster. Talk about just a complete U-turn on what we thought was coming. After watching Hard Knocks and everything, you're like, oh, man, these Jets. I'm so interested. Now? Amazing. One player. One player goes down. Everything changes. That's how important the quarterback position is. Mike Leach once told me the quarterback can be responsible for 75% of your team's success. And then he said, look at Vince Young. Mm. That was his example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. The Vince was 75. (laughs) I mean, they had a lot of NFL. That defense was pretty damn good. Yeah, that defense was really good. There were a lot of guys that went to the National Football League that weren't named Vince Young on that national championship team. But, yeah, I hear what Mike Leach was saying, RIP, rest in power. Um, Yeah, it's it's just unfortunate for New York. I mean, I – like Zach Wilson, he came in the league, and it was just weird how he came in. Like his mom, that whole situation, and she obviously wanted all this attention, and she backed off. She ain't around no more. You never see her. I don't know what her Instagram's like, but she was getting a lot of love on draft day and a couple of months after that for her looks and stuff, and she was promoting her own businesses on the name of Zach Wilson, and it was just, it was just a trash situation. But, hey, you thought that he would be able to make all the throws. You thought that his athleticism would translate to the NFL game. And that just kind of shows, like, how hard of a job it is to be a GM and a guy that makes decisions to – bring these guys along and put them on your team, hoping that they're going to fit. Like we've seen it throughout just the whole entire, you know, time the NFL's existed that just there's been a lot of hits and there's been a ton of misses and guys like Ryan Leaf and Jet George and, you know, now guys like Zach Wilson and, Johnny Menzel, like all these cats that just were legends in college and big time players, like, you know, you have to basically tune everything out, like your social life and stuff. Like sometimes it can help. You see Patrick Mahomes with Brittany Matthews, crazy self, like obviously she's his rib. And she helps, you know, soothe his life out. But certain guys like, that could be a distraction. You spending too much time with the family and stuff and not at home. I don't know how many quarterbacks are still married 
you know, or got married after their career's over. But look at Brady, the greatest of all time. Two divorces, two breakups, two baby moms. You know what I'm saying? Like, how locked in was he? Giselle was like, yo, you going to come hang with the family? He was like, nah, I'm watching film, babe. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I'm going for seven. Like, what you want from me? And she was like, nah, I can't do this. Like, you want to, you retired and you going back? Like, nah, but not everybody has that Brady drive. And it hurt his love life and stuff. But what are you willing to sacrifice to be great? What, you know, what are you willing to sacrifice to get to the Super Bowl and maybe get to Canton one day? A lot of guys aren't willing to sacrifice that. A lot of guys, as you say, Chip, they can't, you know, they don't thrive in the moment. So Zach Wilson, it looks like that he's one of those guys. And Joe Namath, if you have him talking mess about you, then, hey, you just, it's only a matter of time where you get that red sticker in your locker that says, hey, you gone, bro. I know they do that for training camp and stuff with your, when you're cut. But, yeah, Zach Wilson, I wouldn't be surprised if he got a on his phone saying that he's replaced like that's how they feel about him in new york right now like they don't he don't deserve that love they don't think he deserves that love to be noticed that oh we're gonna bench you no you know we're gonna let you know you're gonna be benched nah it's just gonna happen that's how bad he's been and yeah new york's a tough market and if you can't relish it then you're going to struggle. And guys like Eli maybe embraced it, but he had Michael Strahan and Justin Tuck to help him out. That's for damn sure. Well, let me ask you this. Speaking of NFL quarterbacks, we didn't make much of this yesterday, but Dak kind of snipping at uh, um, Grant Gordon of NFL.com who asked him if, if, if the loss to the Cardinals was a wake-up call, and he said, y'all put us on top of the world. We knew who we are in that same sense. I'm sure the media got what it wanted. For us, there hadn't been but one undefeated team. It sucks. It's humbling. But to say it's a wake-up call, we knew we had a lot of adversity, and we just didn't get it done. Y'all put us on top of the world. I'm sure the media got what it wanted. Now, I know he was pissed after the game because they had to settle for field goals from the eight. They ran out of downs on the Cardinals four, and they threw an interception from the six. But Dak seemed like he was a little triggered after that one. Yeah. Oh, he's still pissed. He's still pissed about his performance last year. He already told the media that he's tired of hearing about the interceptions and all that, and here he is kind of snapping again. I mean, look, they didn't have Trayvon Diggs. They won't have him for the rest of the year. I think that was a very tough blow for them to swallow and just kind of roll with. And Dan Quinn, he's going to have to do some more chest rearrangements on figuring out what works best now that they don't have seven for the rest of the year. So you don't have Zach Martin. You pay them all that money for a reason when he was holding out. You didn't have a few guys, and that's the NFL. So I'm going to play devil's advocate on Dak's side and give him that. Now on the other side, it was the Cardinals. They're supposed to be tanking. They just picked up Joshua dabs like three weeks ago i don't even think he's been in arizona for a month so 
That's an issue. Did you, did if Joshua Dobbs outplays you, that's not good, Dak. Not good. Do you see Dobbs? TikTok response to Micah Parsons. Oh, hilarious. Him dodging the darts. My Michael Parsons, man, I'm worried about that podcast. I'm worried about it. He's doing a lot of talking and he's very open. Like it's real. It's good, but it's a little too just real. Like he's like Joshua Dobbs, we're throwing darts at you. I'm coming after you and stuff. Like it's where we are in 2023. Everybody has a podcast and stuff. But we asked stretched about this a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, yeah, this is just the, the game. There have been a lot of guys that would have had a podcast during his time if podcasts were out and stuff. The media is just different now. But, man, like you're the best player – not just on this team, but maybe in the league, like you're giving a lot of guys bulletin board material. Maybe you should just simmer down a little bit. I get you're confident, but there's 10 other guys that you're rolling with that aren't as good as you. So all this crap you're talking, it affects them too. <laughs> Not just you that could definitely back it up. It affects Deron Bland who got toasted toasted this past weekend. Deron Bland really struggled changing positions now that Trayvon Diggs is out. So when you're out here talking about you're taking, you're throwing darts at Joshua Dobbs and stuff, oh, yeah, he dodged them like he did in that TikTok video. And you got to be careful with what you say because these are the NFL players. They get paid in the millions too. They got some pride too. And we saw that Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday with Jonathan Gannon's crew. Like, they looked like they had something to play for and you mentioned it ship like in the nfl the team that loses the following week what the energy that they're gonna bring or the previous week the energy that they're gonna bring the next week come on now it's gonna be night and day and the cowboys they got hit in the mouth multiple times and they couldn't get up when they got knocked down yeah yeah and now the Cowboys are worried that Ezekiel Elliott and Will Greer are gonna help the Patriots defense they know all the secrets I don't know about that, but God, Mike McCarthy was talking about Ezekiel Elliott like he was one of the, you know, golden children of Dallas Cowboys football the other day. Oh, yeah, he's loved. He's loved. I'm like, is this the same Ezekiel Elliott that was pr- pulling down girls' tops at a St. Patrick's Day parade? <laughs> that- yeah. Yeah, this is the same Ezekiel Elliott that had his dogs biting folks, getting loose and stuff. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm like partying oh, during COVID. Like McCarthy, what are you doing? If the guy's a knucklehead, just say he's a knucklehead. We don't miss him. We let him go. Yeah. Now they're worried he's gonna help Belichick with the secret sauce. Come on, man. Yo, Zeke, 16 carries, 86 yards against the Jets. He was all right. He wasn't yeah. too shabby against those, against those guys. Hey, he was all right. Belichick will get guys when they're – got Randy Moss for a – what did he get Randy Moss for? Sixth-round pick? What? I hope it was a fourth-round pick. But Randy Moss then set the oh, NFL. Oakland? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up right now. Randy Moss trade Patriots. Dang. Fourth round pick. Wow. And then he set the NFL record with 23 touchdown catches. Fourth round pick. Bill Belichick knows how to rob you blind. 
he gets you on the he gets you on the he buys low he yeah. buys low and he sells high yeah. hey what we talked about um last week you see taylor swift kansas city arrowhead i know you saw it everybody did saw she, it did did she really leave the suite in a popcorn machine so what? Yeah, oh yeah so she's in that suite at the chiefs game Everybody saw her. She's high-fiving everybody. She's all excited. But no one saw her leave the suite. But apparently there was a popcorn machine with a hood over it that they wheeled out of the suite and nobody paid any attention to it. And then no one ever saw her. And apparently there are times where she leaves a concert stadium in a janitor's, like, waste basket with like broom handles hanging out of it and a tarp over it so that she goes unnoticed this is what i'm being told zay taylor swift she's incog i mean yo she's i knew she was big but until i guess she entered our world on sunday like this is she's never entered my world before. I don't deal with her music. My wife never really liked her music too much. Like, you know, I'm probably showing my wife's age here a little bit that she doesn't like her music, but oh well. And she's just I've never been to a concert. I know people who have. I just never got the whole Taylor Swift vibe. And this Sunday was the first time she entered our world obviously just being at the football game and this Travis Kelsey stuff. And I realized how big she was. Again, I knew she was big, but the fact that Travis Kelsey's Jersey sales have gone up 400%. That's ridiculous. And her just impact and the wave that she brings with her with the Swifties. It's amazing. Like it's up there with Michael Jackson and guys like that. Just, who have been on top of pop culture, Janet, just legends. Like, you know, you look at metal and stuff, like just big time, you know, slipping me right now, but that she's that big. She, she's that big. Like she's one of the greatest of all time. I don't know if her music's that good, but her impact is one of the greatest of all time. And yeah, shout out to Travis Kelsey, man. He went from that soul food to that bland food, but it's all good. That dude looks, he looks happy. He looks happy. And that's this all that matters. Last. This thing's going to last another week. God, yo, she likes that. He approached her. I was looking at entertainment tonight. She likes that. He's been shooting this shot for a while. And again, she's open to a lot of people. Her track record is thick. Like she has a Derek Jeter type background when it comes to her previous men. So she is open. It's just now that she's older, she's like, yo, I'm making the most money I ever have. Like I really don't have time to waste time she's in her 30s and stuff like she don't got time to waste time and the fact that travis kelsey like he's only working four months out of the year so that's great for her like she always dates these musicians and stuff that are always on the road touring and doing stuff like he'll be available eight months out of the whole entire year and i think she appreciates that plus he has his own plus he's his own that's why she's gonna when she has this 
hey, when she finally has time to spend with him and has conversation and she's conversating with this guy, she's going to be like, oh, God, get me out of here. All right, let me ask you this, Zay, because we, we now know who the Super Bowl entertainment's going to be. Usher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Usher says that he's just hanging out. He gets this call from Jay-Z. And Jay-Z says, it's time. It's magic time. And Usher's like, what are you talking about? And then Jay-Z's like, the Super Bowl. And he's like, you ready? And Usher's like, absolutely. So now Usher will be our Super Bowl halftime entertainment in February. And everybody's like, can he top Rihanna? Can he top Rihanna? I don't know who's going to top yeah. Rihanna. That girl went oh, 60 yeah. feet. She went 60 feet in the air on those, those levelers. Yo, man, I, I know people are going to say I'm hating and whatever it is, what it is. That Rihanna performance last year was mid. That was a mid-level performance. Yeah, I get it. She was pregnant, and, you know, that takes a special woman to perform at that stage her her being pregnant and stuff. I get that. But she was barely moving. She was fully clothed and stuff. Come on, you Rihanna. You got to show a little bit of skin. I Show the baby bump. You Rihanna. You one of the finest women in the world. That 2022 version, or I guess it was 2023, but last year, nah, man, it was not good. Usher, on the other hand, uh, that dude's moves, man. That dude's special. He can move. Oh, yeah, and he has as long hits. as he's not doing that jazz concert or whatever he did at, at the F1. Because I took my kids, it was the same year that Taylor Swift performed at F1, and then Usher performed too. And I took the kids to both, and I love Usher, but he was doing some kind of retro jazzy set. I was like, what are we doing? So, as long as he plays the the stuff that makes you get up and get out of your chair, you know? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are going to be looking for uh, Yeah, probably his most famous song with Ludacris and Little John. Yeah, 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 that's a hit. Me personally, if he doesn't bring in um, I'm in my drop top cruising the streets. If he, I need the 90s Usher, like late 90s, Jermaine Dupri producing my way. I need that. I need that version of Usher when he was just coming in the game. If he gives us that, then he's going to rock it. He's going to rock it. But, yeah, Rihanna last year, mm -mm, mid. It's, it's got to be better than that. Hove, you, I appreciate this one because I know Jay-Z has his, you know, his little relationship with Roger Goodell and stuff. I would like to have Jay-Z. He's over here making all these decisions and stuff. Like, come on, man. You're one of the greatest rappers of all time. We would appreciate you, but what's that? What's, what's that? what's that Usher song where he's talking about the girl on the pole or whatever? The girl on the pole. Mm. Yeah, man. I don't like, know. He's got confessions. That was a classic album. Where he's talking about cheating, I don't think he can perform that. That's not a good look. <laughs> Where, yeah, I don't, I don't think he can perform confessions. Oh man! Well, there you go, Usher Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. 
Also, there's a picture going around that, you know, I'm just going to show you on my phone, Uh-oh. Chip. It's one of the most bogus pictures in the world. I retweeted it on my Twitter, Zay underscore Collier. This jersey swapping thing is getting out of control. Look at this. What you're seeing right now is a picture of Jamie Foxx, actor, holding a Michael Vick jersey, and Michael Vick holding a Willie Beeman any given Sunday jersey. (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Uh, Jamie Foxx, I'm – for one, Jamie Foxx, I'm glad he's just alive because I know he was dealing with some health problems and a lot of people were nervous and stuff. He kind of kept it hush-hush and stuff. So it's good to see him on his feet and looking good. Like, Jamie Foxx is one of my favorite entertainers of all time. The dude can sing. The dude's hilarious as a comedian, going back to his living color days. And he can and he can act his ass off. Like, the dude is a jack-of-all-traits. So I appreciate him. And I love the movie Any Given Sunday. I think it's an absolute classic that does doesn't get enough credit like Cameron Diaz. She couldn't look better in that movie. Al Pacino as the head coach, man. LL Cool J's a running back. Like just an absolute superb movie. But ain't no way Michael Vick, who did what he did in the National Football League, being an MVP type player on the cover of Madden, one of the greatest dual threats of all time. I Do we have to jersey swap? Can you just get a normal autograph like Jamie Foxx ain't really Willie Beeman and that's one of my favorite roles too like throwing up before the game and on the sideline and stuff just classic stuff right there but man where is that where we are I know Trey and BK do where we at society is that where we are in society where we're doing jersey swaps with fake players like let me get a James Vanderbeek jersey from Varsity Blues then and maybe I put this up behind me like how would that look would think I'm real bogus if I had that, wouldn't they? It's bad enough when a team gets housed and a player who just got his ass beat is racing over to Jamar Chase or Odell Beckham. Hey man, can we do a jersey swap? And then they then he gets shot down. That's even worse. No, no, I can't do that, man. I'm saving this jersey yeah. for you know the girl over there in row three. I'm can't do it today. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I mean, it's a good movie. The Usher song is I Don't Mind. I Don't Mind. It opens with Shoddy, I Don't Mind If You Dance on a Pole. That'll Make You a Hoe. Shoddy, I Don't Mind When You Work Until Three. If You're Leaving With Me, Go Make That Money, Money, Money. Yeah, he's got to play that. Yeah, he's got to play it, man. I'm excited. I like Usher. Yeah. The features should be good too. Come on, man. You have Ludacris out there, maybe Alicia Keys with some my boo, you know. By the way, I saw Rihanna at the old Irwin Center, sat eighth row. She came over on a like some riser that floated across the entire concert in like assless chaps. Yeah. See, where was that at the Super Bowl? Like, she wanted to be, you know, all conservative because she pregnant and stuff. Come on, man. It's the Super Bowl. You, Rihanna, you look sexier than a ton of women pregnant. Cody, we want to see it. Show us something. Come yeah. on. I'm not saying go Janet Jackson, but, you know. Well, that's the thing. I'm like, when's Timberlake coming back 
to do the Super Bowl. Are they ever going to let him come back? Baddest white boy on the planet. Baddest <laughs> white boy on the planet. That's what my that's what my man Sean Adams always used to say. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, oh, baddest white boy on the planet. But he ripped that oh. nipple plate off of whatever patch off of Janet Jackson. Are they ever going to let him back in? No, oh, no, he's back with he's back with NSYNC. They're starting to do like a reunion tour and stuff. Maybe that's so what it's back to his roots. They might. Right. It has to be those. It has to be those guys with him. I don't think he could be solo dolo. If he's with NSYNC and the crew, then yeah, I think something could happen. But yeah, man, I that is white boy on the planet. That's terrific. All right, listen, look at these baddest white boys on the planet. Let's bring them in. <laughs> you kidding me? Look at these fools. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, KD. Not the baddest white guys on the planet. We're not JT, man. <laughs> or Brent Berry, Zay. Yo, Brent Berry, that quick release, man. The dunk contest, though, too. That's true. That's true. The dunk contest. The dunk contest, you know, we Yo. had last year or two years ago. Yo, he did the three-point contest one year, and after he hit his last shot, he did the crip walk. Brent Berry has swag, man. Don't sleep Dude, on him. <laughs> you can't be the baddest white boy on the planet if your wife cheats on you with one of your teammates. Oh, it's TP. On. It's Tony Parker. He's French, man. He's suave. He brings yeah. a certain sex appeal. I, I give Agreed. him a pass. I give him a pass. Agreed. Yeah. On that note, see you guys. I'll have a good show, man. I got to stick out.